Welcome to Office Baggage, where two corporate women unpack our week in business. Every week, co-hosts Ray Parent and Marcy Tweet tackle the WTF business topics you want to talk about on every rung of the business ladder. Bring your baggage. We'll We'll unpack it. Welcome back to Office Baggage. I'm your host, Marcy Tweet. And on behalf of me and my co-host, Ray, welcome back and happy September. We took a little break in August. It's been a crazy summer, and we know that everybody's been on vacation, preparing for kids to go back to school, really dealing with what's going on all over the world as it relates to COVID and the election and social unrest in our cities and our states. It's been a tough summer. And as we thought about Coming back for fall, we thought about the kind of content we wanted to bring to Office Baggage and the kind of people we wanted to have on the podcast. And I am so excited to kick off our fall lineup with Carson Tate. It's very rare that I will record an interview and post it on the same day. In fact, I'm recording this interview on Thursday, September 3rd with Carson was planning on posting it next week or the week after. And my conversation with her energized me in such a way that I want to give it to you today because I know and I hope that we are all taking some time off this weekend with Labor Day to breathe and reboot. I hope we're taking some time to think about how we manage these next few months of the year, how we manage ourselves, our energy, our productivity, our fears, our hopes during a time when, frankly, we're all scared. We all are frustrated. We all are thinking about where do we go from here. So I hope you'll get as much energy out of this conversation as I did. Let me introduce you to Carson Tate. Carson is the CEO and founder of a company called Working Simply, and she likes to say that she believes our work can be a full expression of who we are, the vehicle that takes us to a place where we reach the full potential of our greatness. Who doesn't want to do that? Carson's signature programs include programs like Tame Your Inbox, Work Well With Others, Work Smarter Not Harder, and her masterclass and new book, Own It, Love It, Make It Work. We're talking to Carson about her book, own it, love it, make it work, and how it's especially applicable during this time when we're all trying to figure out work-life integration, the kinds of things we need to do to make ourselves successful when the world is in such a chaotic place. Carson is a connector. She's uplifting. She's empowering. I walked away from this conversation wanting to be better for myself and for my business and for this podcast and for everything that I do. I hope her real nitty-gritty tips about how to be more productive, how to think about your career will land with you as well. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Take some time to focus on yourself this weekend and ongoing. Really give yourself the space, the priority, the ability to do what's right for you during this time of chaos, and enjoy my conversation with Carson Tate up next. Welcome, uh, Carson Tate, to the podcast. Carson, we're so excited to have you on Office Baggage. 
Thanks for being here today and, and really jazzed to talk to you about your new book, Own It, Love It, Make It Work. Thanks for being here today. Well, thank you so much, Marcy, for the opportunity. I'm excited about our conversation. I am too. And you know, our, our podcast listeners know that we do not bring authors on this podcast unless Ray and I have read the book. And you know, it's it really I get a lot of books sent to me. I glaze through some of them. There are a few that, you know, we bring on the podcast and really sit down and read. And it's only those few that we really loved. And I just absolutely loved your book. So I'm excited for our listeners to hear about it and hopefully go buy it themselves and learn more as well. Well, thank you. So let's jump in. You start Own It, Love It, Make It Work with a really interesting illustrative example for all of our careers. And the way you say it in the book is we often think there are only three doors to walk through if we're unhappy in our jobs. And how many times have we heard our dads say this to us? Like one, get a new job. Two, stop complaining. (laughs) You know, (laughs) the third door you say is the like eat, pray, love, like soul searching kind of world. But your book really talks about a fourth door. So tell us about that option um, and how, how you've found that door in your career and maybe what inspired the book as well. Mm -hmm. So I talk about the fourth book, Marcy, is the door of possibility and choice which really opens up the opportunity for you to take ownership around what do you want and need in this job so that it can be fulfilling, engaging, you can feel satisfied, you can feel connected to the work. Because the reality for most of us is we can't quit, we all have bills to pay, right? I don't wanna stay and suffer. And as much as I would love to go like to the south of France and drink wine, that's also, you know, eat, pray, love isn't an option. And so when we look at that, our own place of personal agency to shape, craft, and control our work experience, I think it's incredibly powerful. So how I got here personally and then with our clients. So one of my early jobs, I think, Marcia, we've probably all had these. It sucked. I mean, it just, you know, I had the boss from... Heck, I don't know if we can cuss on your... Sure you can. We're always explicit. (laughs) Okay. All right. So now that we have permission, I had the asshole boss. I mean, and he made, you know, Michael in the office look like a dream guy. Oh God. I mean, he was a micromanager from hell and I had a pretty sucky job. I made cold calls all day long, selling exhibit or booth space. Hated going to work, hated him. So, you know, after a couple of months of this, I'm like, okay, this work sucks thing is I'm over it. I have to pay my bar tab. I'm not willing to suffer and I, I can't go on a gallivant. So yeah. I called my college cross country coach. I worked, um, I ran in college and coach Femister really wise. He says to me, Hey, Carson, uh, you remember in races as much as you didn't like running up hills, you couldn't change the race course, but you could change your mindset. I was like, Oh, He's like, have you thought about that at work? Can you change how you look at your work? And can you find something in the work that will allow you to grow and develop so there's some more value to it? So I went back to my work and figured out how can I use this to develop my sales skills and double down on the reframing. I'm here to learn. I'm going to learn everything I can, and that's going to help shift. Absolutely. I mean, it's really incredible. In the process that you outline in the book, mm-hmm. the first step, and, and it's funny when you read things and are struck by 
wording and I, and I know authors, you know, really go over, is this the right word? Is it not? The first step in the process was admit. And you really talk about what do we need to admit to ourselves and you dive deep on it. Mm -hmm. The thing that I found, I, I'll read a quote is you say, it can be hard to believe you're valuable even and even tougher to ask to be recognized for your contributions when you're stuck on an endless repeat of mistakes and bad work experiences. Yes. <laughs> I just, I see so many of this, so many of these instances with my friends and colleagues, even right now, especially women, this like, I can't admit that I'm in a terrible spot. I can't admit that this isn't about me, that my boss is a terrible jerk. Like I keep trying to work my way out of it, you know? So how do we overcome that bias of ourselves of not believing we're good enough, not believing we're worthy of recognition, not believing that we have the choice. I think mm -hmm. we paint ourselves into this kind of, you know, um, limited corner. Mm -hmm. And I would say in addition to that, particularly with women, there is a, a cultural message around just put your head down, grind it out and work harder. Right. Yeah. So on top of all of that, we have this just grind it out. So the admit word is very intentional because it is an acknowledgement of what you need and that you are valuable. And we all are, and we all have different needs. And so we can expect our boss or our teammates to meet those recognition needs if we don't know what they are. Right. So, I mean, as much as I wish I could read your brain, you know, be a mind reader, I can't. So the first step is, yes, we all have these needs. This is a foundational part of being human. Now let's get really clear on what recognition and reward looks like for you. So do you want the email blast out to the whole company of, hey, Marcelina, the new deal, yay. Or do you just want a quiet pat on the back from your boss or a colleague that you gotta know what it is and then ask for it. And in the asking for it, that feels really scary. Like, what are they gonna think? Are they gonna think I'm a, you know, a five-year-old that needs constant affirmation. No, you're empowering them to empower you. So this is the reframe. You're setting them up to be successful in the relationship. It's about the give and take and how you help them. How did you do that when you think about a boss, like you said, this, you know, asshole boss, Michael Scott kind of guy? <gasps> There are times when no matter what you try to train that person to do, they're not going to do it. I mean, what's your advice to women in that? It's, it's funny. I have a, one of my dear friends, he's probably listening to the podcast, so I won't say who she is, but she, she'll know what I'm talking about. Works for a boss who will not praise anyone ever. And how do you, how do you even try to get to a place of feeling valued, feeling recognized when someone like that is your leader? Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to shift from, okay, jerk, asshole, we're not going to rely on you. We're going to go internally and sideways. And by sideways, I mean to colleagues. Yep. So first I'm going to figure out for myself, okay, what is going to make you feel proud and accomplished? Can you name that? And can we look for instances throughout your day where you can do a little mini celebration? Now, this sounds like woo-woo pop psychology, but there's really good research behind mm -hmm. the, the power of affirmations and really knowing what you need. Now, when I talk about going sideways, this is where I would go to a colleague, maybe a peer, maybe a direct report, and ask them, this sounds counterintuitive, but ask them for feedback on a particular skill. 
that I'm working to develop. Tell them exactly what I'm working on, tell them the kind of feedback that I want, and ask them to give it to me. Because when we create more positive work experiences, when we are more successful, that builds up that internal self-esteem. And we're getting this support person so we don't feel so isolated because they're also aligned in our success. And give that to others too. One of my favorite New Year's resolutions is for a couple of years ago, I, I did this and it stuck with me is to always, whenever you think something nice about someone, tell them. And we spend so much time in our heads as women going like, that was awesome. Good job. That was really cool. Tell that person. And I feel like the more that you in your job, in your workplace, tell someone else, hey, I noticed in that meeting you were particularly effective today. Really fantastic way of explaining that. They'll do the same for you and you'll start to see that feedback loop come back around as well. And one thing you can do is we can create a system or a process to make it easier for you. So can you put a little reminder on your calendar? Can you have a sticky note? Um, How do you make it easy to acknowledge where you see everyone else excelling? How do you do this? It's interesting. um, And this is, I ask selfish questions as well as questions for our audience (laughs) on this podcast, but I've been an entrepreneur twice in my life. The first time was a massive failure. The second time going pretty well this time around. Um, But it's been fascinating because I remember interviewing for a corporate job after my first stint in entrepreneurship and someone saying, why, why are you leaving your business? Well, one, it was a complete failure, but two, I desperately missed having a boss. Mm -hmm. I really loved that recognition. So this time around, it was something that I tried to really intentionally say to myself, how do I make sure that I'm getting the recognition that I need from myself and take on that process? Um, I do a few things, you know, I do a weekly roundup at the end of the week where I go, what were the like three big things this week? What do you feel good about this week? You know, I talk to my husband about things. I talk to colleagues, but Talk to me, what other advice would you have for someone like me who, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're in a kind of independent space where you don't have that, whether it be colleagues or bosses to give you the recognition you need, I'm sure you encounter this as an entrepreneur as well. How do we celebrate our own accomplishments rather than waiting for others to do it? Mm -hmm. So you already are doing one that we always recommend, which is, I love that, the way you call it, that weekly roundup. And I coach my clients, and I do this also myself, to get really specific, go back maybe to your task list, your project list, your calendar, and really just celebrate each and every one of them. I also tell our clients to reach out intentionally at the end of the week to a friend, colleague, a fellow entrepreneur, have it as a scheduled event. So now we're creating some accountability with the sole purpose, doesn't have to be an hour, of 10 minutes of, hey, I just want to share with you. Here's some wins. And they share back. And so we have this conversation. The other thing that we talk about that has really come into play even more in this lovely work from home pandemic is how do you go for an early win? So part of giving the recognition that you need is also how do you get that mojo going? So I don't know about you, Marcy, but there are a lot of days it feels like Groundhog Day. And as much as I love my work, I'm like, oh, God, how are we going to get up that get up and go? And so we talk about go for an early win. So can you set a mini goal? So maybe it's I'm going to knock out 10 emails in eight minutes. Awesome. And then I've got this, this sense of accomplishment. I'm like, you are rocking it. Or let's tell some of our clients, go organize something. If you're an organized person, get the list. Do your spices. I don't know. Rearrange your socks. Five, 10 minutes. But then 
feel really good and then move your body or move your brain. How do you, is it a crossword puzzle? Is it a yoga pose? All of these will get that mojo up and create that sense of accomplishment. Yeah. And you're able to see that personal reward and recognition. It feels so good. It's amazing to me. So this was, so yesterday um, I went to my first in-person I, I hesitate to use the word event without getting the like, you shouldn't have done that COVID shame. But I sit on a board of directors and we had, um, we had an outside socially distanced masked on end of summer mixer for our board of directors. And there were like 12 of us. So it wasn't very many, but it was the first time I've gone to an event, right? In six months where it felt intensely weird to like be around people. And it's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. The thing I found last night when I got home and it was a huge wake up call for me. When you talk about moving your body, I've been working out. I take the dog on a walk every day. I do all this stuff. I physically hurt this morning from like standing and talking to someone like in heels, by the way, like, you know, it's like, then you do this. Oh, you have your pretty shoes. You wear the shoes you haven't worn in in 10 years. (laughs) But it's like, it's so funny because it it really brought into my mind something about like, how are we moving our bodies? Like, are you, am I standing enough? Am I like, you know, and so that's my, my like new thing I'm thinking about this morning is like, I'm working out, but like, I'm not getting as much of the normal, like, you know, standing, making copies, standing in someone's office, standing. It's like, wow, we are losing our stamina across the board. It's crazy. It's crazy. And it doesn't take much either, right? So it might just be, you know, do you want to, and I think this is really helpful too, just to keep that energy up during the workday, switch locations and maybe you stand up at your kitchen counter right? If it's taller and you can stand up, just do it for five, 10 minutes and then, you know, take your laptop and move back. But I think it's so, so important. And what we're talking about, all of this is around shaping your work so that it really is that authentic expression of who you are and fits your life. Yeah. And that's the thing, ultimately the goal. And don't you think that's especially, I mean, I think in COVID, we were even my husband, you know, sat on our bed for three months and then finally gave in and was like, okay, I guess I need to get a desk. Right. And it's like now more than ever, when we're hearing, you know, Salesforce announcing that they're keeping people home for another year and all of these things, we've got to work our work lives now around our personal lives and integrate more than ever before. Right. Absolutely. So first and foremost, I'm so glad your, your hubby got a desk Really important because what's happened, um, and if you're an entrepreneur and I'm an entrepreneur, so you've, you're probably more used to this than some of our other colleagues of, of that homework mm-hmm. demarcation, but it is really important to have a space. And I'm not saying not all of us have the luxury of a different room, and I'm not telling you to build a room, but it is a demarcated space where you sit and now I'm in work mode. That right. transition between life, family, to work is essential. So whatever that space is, you guard it and it's the work zone. And then the other thing that we're seeing is so important is that there are hard stops to your day. Yes. So, you know, a lot of us had to catch the train. So the train had a schedule and if you needed to get home, you had to get to the train on a certain time or we take the bus or you're in your car, but there was a commitment. Well, I mean, you're not picking kids up, or at least I'm not. They're right next to me on their device. Or, you know, there's not that event. So we have to have this hard stop right. to your day. 
Yeah, I think that's so important. And it is my my husband, both of us are are, you know, trained longtime workaholics, but at the beginning of all of this, it was really for him, you know, being at home all the time, working on all this stuff all the time, sitting on the bed. It was six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, and I'd have to go, Charlie, turn it off, you know, take it down. And it does help to have that separate space and that kind of like work mode, not work mode. And I think, you know, it's interesting because both of us, we work from home normally or, or neither of us has a, a proper office. I'm an entrepreneur and he's worked remotely for the company he works with for a few years, mm-hmm. but we, we ha- we're co-working space people. So we would yes. go to, I miss our co-working spaces so much. I'm like, oh my God. And we live in a loft so we can hear each other all the time. So it's a, you know, it is what it is, but um, yeah, so important. Great advice. Really important. So in addition to this book, Own It, Love It, Make It Work, you also have a business called Working Simply, and you've written another book before, which I admitted to you earlier I hadn't read. Um, I will read it. But tell our listeners about Working Simply. What do you all do for individuals and for businesses? Talk a little bit about your business. Mm-hmm. So the, the name is the essence of the business, Marcy. So our tagline is, how do you work simply and live fully? So I believe work can be the full expression of who you are and can fit in your life right? We, we don't have to sacrifice our lives on the altar of work. We don't have to do this. So we help our individual clients, our teams, and our corporate clients improve their productivity, reignite that engagement, that fulfillment, that connection to work, and help them build a legacy that lasts. So it's productivity and an employee engagement. Fantastic. You have a, a service called Tame Your Inbox, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to give a couple of good tips for us. I'm an inbox. I subscribe like it is my church to Inbox Zero, um, but other people have different different ways of doing it. So tell me, give us a couple of your tips on inbox, reclaiming your inbox. Yes. Um, well, and I don't know about you, Marcy, but I, my inbox has exploded with this new way of working. Yeah. So I think we're all even feeling it. I'm like, oh my God, where the inbox is exploding. So first uh, that I need to say is there's no one size fits all Inbox solution or productivity solution. We all think and process differently, so we need a custom productivity toolkit and a custom inbox toolkit. So my bias on your inbox is that it is the best personal assistant you've ever had. You probably just have not asked him or her to do yeah. some work for you, which is <laughs> the technology tools. Yes. So two, well, I'll give you three. So the first one is in Outlook or in Gmail, rules or filters. So how do you automate the things that you're doing manually? So if you always file that weekly report, why are you doing that? Stop, stop right now. Your inbox can do it for you. So let's write a rule or filter, send it on out. Or why are you always automatically forwarding that information to your colleague who's running that project? Write a rule, let your inbox do it for you. Yep. The second thing that is, happens. I don't know about you, but a lot of the emails I write are the same email I've written like 14 times. I'm like, I think I've answered this question before. And then I get it. And I'm like, oh, I know I've answered it. I go fishing. Like, let me go to sent items. I'll find it. No, 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 no. That wastes time. So what we like to do is use the signatures feature because you can create a lot of different custom signatures. So frequently asked questions, standard templates, write them once, Take the two minutes, get it exactly right, 
reply to the email, insert the signature, done. So we're done in like 15 seconds. And not only that, we save tons of time, but we know it's the same consistent communication, which yep. I think is really important. Uh, my, my new trick is quick parts as well. Oh, don't you love this? Oh my God. If you're on, <laughs> if people, if you're on Outlook, learn quick parts where you can insert pre-formatted text. So every time I type, for instance, this podcast and its link, right? You don't realize how often you're writing office baggage, the podcast for, and putting the link in, or I use Calendly for all of my scheduling. And yes. so instead of having to write every single time, I use Calendly for all of my scheduling. Here's how it works. I have a quick part that I just go insert quick part. And it's just, it's been the greatest time saver. So here's what I would suggest for your listeners. Set a timer for 10 minutes. It's all I'm asking. 10 minutes, set it, go. And in that 10 minutes, open up your email platform and find one tool and set it up. So quick parts, yep. hands down. Absolutely. Then Make sure that you are really intentional about leveraging that technology and just do one a week and you'll be fine. I love it. So let's talk. The other thing you do at Working Simply that I found incredibly awesome is this productivity style assessment. And you just, you mentioned everybody has a different productivity style. Everybody has a different email style. I took the assessment and I loved it. I'm, I'm a sucker for a good assessment. But talk about how you've developed this because it's really an interesting, for me, way of looking at how we all do things differently and how we're all productive in different ways. So talk about the productivity style assessment. How mm -hmm. does it work and, mm -hmm. and how should people think about their own productivity style in their lives? Mm -hmm. So I developed the productivity style assessment after being really frustrated, trying to help clients and teams improve their productivity because the best practices didn't work for everybody. Well, I mean, okay, that makes sense. We don't all think and process information the same way, Marcy. Absolutely. So in grad school, I did research. I was like, I want to figure this out. And so I did research into something called cognitive styles. And so cognitive styles are how you think and process information. And they guide the way we communicate. They absolutely impact how you set up your inbox, manage your day. So once I understood this concept, I built out an assessment, we call the productivity style assessment to help people identify how they work. And then once we know your style, then we can align strategies and tools that fundamentally work for you. So you don't feel like a failure or frustrated. So the assessment has four different productivity styles. And can we talk about your results? Because of course I shamelessly pulled them. Of course we can. So I'm a planner, which does not shock me at all. Okay. Um, and will not shock any of our listeners because probably in the three or four years we've done this podcast, they've heard me like pontificate about multiple different planners that I use. And like, this is why I use this one. And this is how I do this. But um, super, super planner. Yeah which I like in your, um, in your uh, productivity style guide, you say um, FBI director J. Edgar Hoover and British politician Margaret Thatcher. So I never think I would be, you know, compared to Hoover or Thatcher, but here I am. Here, here you are. And so there are four styles and Marcy and your listeners, I'm sure pegged you as you said, that planner is that organized, sequential, detail-oriented person. The big joke I always say to my organized, my organized folks, my planners, is that they've never met a list they didn't like. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And we put stuff on the list there after we've done it just so we can cross it off. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, Marcy, yep. you stole my line, you know, <laughs> absolutely. And so yes. the fact that Marcy loves an empty inbox is absolutely a classic planner because planners want to create that structure and organization. So yep. file folders, things go where they need to go. The other style, this was your second highest, was prioritizer. Mm -hmm. So the prioritizer is that analytical, very linear, fact-based person. You know, it's the, just the facts. It, yep. This person is not interested in what you're binging on Netflix, and they certainly don't want to talk about your kids. They don't care because it's about yeah. what's the goal, what's the work, put your head down, and don't have any fluffiness. Yeah. So, very, very true. <laughs> and then your third one, which is what comes out, I think, in the podcast world and this relationship piece is the arranger. Yep. So the arranger is that communicative, relational, kinesthetic work style person. They do their best work with and through people. They would like to work on teams. Very intuitive. I always say they know everybody's goldfish name, where everybody went on vacation, very, very relationship oriented. And the arranger in a productivity sense is the one, uh, they're kinesthetic and they have very specific productivity tools. So they have that perfect colored Sharpie. Yep. And if you take it from their desk, <laughs> things are not going well for you because yeah. it is their specific Sharpie they use for the specific task, uh, which I think you probably have a little bit of. I do. I do. I mean, that, that I, can, I can relate to as well. And then the fourth one, which I, I am not is visualizer and it's it's so interesting because this is it's always my like i hate a brainstorm like i <laughs> i just i'm like okay i get that you guys want to talk about this for 15 minutes but like can we just talk about what we need to do first like let's i'm done brainstorming i just am not that person right and you describe them I mean, that's the they're the big picture ideator innovator pushing what's next why not they are going to disrupt the status quo, which is wonderful because they're going to challenge us to think outside our box. And so the planner and the visualizer on a team, it's like those two trains are going to collide because your structured and detail mm -hmm. orientation is the exact opposite of how they want to work. And you both need each other. So it's interesting. A lot of assessments. So when I think about, you know, I was trained to, to um, facilitate StrengthsFinder. You know, I've done a lot of MBTI. A lot of people have. Um, part of those assessments is really the drive to hire people who are diverse from you. So if you have strengths in ideation and, and visualization, you should hire on your team or bring on people who might have more strengths in arranger, organizer, all of those kinds of things. Same with MBTI. If you are an ENTJ, how can you bring onto your team someone who's an ISTP or whatever that might be? Yours, though, would you say that that's the same so if you were a team and you were thinking, how do I hire for my team? Should you hire people that are the same productivity style as you so that you're all kind of working on the same thing? Or is there that same value that StrengthsFinder or MBTI might, might take in having different types of productivity styles on your team? Exact same. So when we talk about diversity with our clients, Marcy, with our executive coaching clients or our teams or our corporate clients, we're absolutely talking about the diversity of work style. Higher performing teams are diverse in every sense of the word. I think we could agree. And so we want to be thinking about that from a productivity style perspective. And so this is a yes and. Yes. And I also need to be thinking about the type of work. Yeah. 
So if I have a project manager role open on my team, any of these productivity styles can do it. Absolutely. Mm. The, the style where it is the most seamless and unconscious level of really, I would say, outstanding performance is the planner, right? Mm -hmm. This is how their brain works. They're building processes, you know, and scheduling um, itineraries on vacation. Yep. So this is a, a natural fit for them. If we have someone um, where we're thinking about how are we going to redesign this video game or how do we want to think about shaping space differently, which is something we need to be thinking about. I'm going to push and make sure I've got a team that's got visualizers and arrangers. The visualizers for the ideas and the arrangers who really understand the people in the space or the users, that's the combination that I want. Yeah, fantastic. And again, it's I think any assessment is about, especially on a team, is about developing a language for your team and for yourself so that you can understand each other's styles. And I think this is a, it's just a great tool. So highly encourage everybody to take a look. I'll, I'll link it in our um, show notes so that you know how to find the productivity assessment and and find you out what you are. So super fun. Yes. Thanks. So the last thing I want to kind of talk about is you, you, Conclude your book with this quote from Cheryl Strayed, who I just adore. I think we all do. Um, what matters isn't that we attain perfection, but that again and again with humility and faith we reach. I think so much unhappiness in our careers is, is because we're afraid to take risks. We're afraid to reach. Um, we've all seen the people you describe at the beginning of the book, right? Hunched over and and faces tight and afraid to take a step and miserable in their jobs. So talk to our listeners as if they are talking to a family or a friend when you see somebody in that place in your life, or if you're in that life, what's the most important piece of advice that we can give them to get to door number four, mm -hmm. where they see choice and agency and the ability to make a change. I think especially in COVID, if you're miserable in your job a year ago, maybe you would have taken the risk. I think people are just less willing to try something new, to, to make things better. What advice do you give? How can we help our colleagues and our friends who are in that difficult place? Mm -hmm. So I have three things that I'd say. First, any job can be your dream job because you define the dream. So as soon as you can own that this is my dream to create. No one can tell me what it is. No one can craft it for me. I can do it. The second thing is let's not take crazy risk. I'm talking about really small throughout the book. I talk about micro steps, small incremental steps. So all I would suggest for that family member that you see who is in a work sock and is miserable is okay. Let's just name and claim your fears around if you choose to do something different. All we're, and that's all we're going to do. We're just going to name and claim it. We're not making a commitment. We're not calling our boss. We're not asking for recognition. We're not redesigning our job. No, we're just going to name and claim. And then the third step is what happens if you don't make a change? Yeah. More of the same? What are you modeling your friends? What are you showing your team members? More of the same. And I've been getting some interesting pushback around this 
Okay, right, it's COVID pandemic and you're talking about making changes in your career? Absolutely, and here's why. In the midst of massive disruption, there are these beautiful fault lines. Everything is at play. We don't know how to work in this world. Many of us, mm -hmm. our companies don't know, our managers don't know. So get in the conversation. Hey, this is what works for me and I know it's gonna work for you because it's gonna be more performance, more productivity, more revenue. Now is the time. Everything is unsettled. Yeah. It's so true. And it's also the time, I, I said this to someone recently when they were asking for advice on, on potentially switching, really switching fields and totally switching careers. I'm like, this is the time where, you know, 10 years from now, whatever happened in your resume in 2020, 2021, like is going to be totally forgiven. Like nobody, nobody's going to look back on this year and go like, why'd you make a big jump that year? Like never going to happen. Never going to happen. I mean, everybody no. knows. Everybody gonna, knows there's an yeah. asterisk. So lean into the disruption. Mm -hmm. Again, micro steps. Let's be thoughtful. We're not going to go crazy. Lean into the disruption. I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had with corporate leaders who are like, how do we engage our team members? What do they want? Well, they can't read your mind. Help them yeah. so that you can create this work life that really is that authentic expression of you and fits your life. Let's make it work. Exactly. I think that's, you know, it's been the thing we've talked about on the podcast for the last six months and and the thing that i think women are struggling with the most is how do we integrate like work life we've talked about work-life integration for so long and in in, in lieu of work-life balance more important now than ever before as as we've realized how compartmentalized our lives have been and now they need to really truly integrate because everything's front and center mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. there are i think marcy so many silver linings um, and this in this current world for us and great opportunities yeah. because when you can't control the world around you what you can always control is how you respond in yourself absolutely and so you, we can anchor in to that each and every day in the midst of rapid uncertainty and disruption and change person this has been so fantastic thank you i mm -hmm. i just love that we're bringing people some positivity and some, you know, you can control and have the agency and confidence to do different things in your career, even in this time of global, you know, chaos. Absolutely. And maybe especially, thank you, Marcy. 